0: Welcome back to the G3 Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Bice, and today we're going to talk about the local church. We're going to talk about a specific topic related to the local church. Specifically, should I stay or should I go? In fact, that question continuously resurfaces in emails to us and also in uh, conversations when I'm speaking at another conference, someone might ask that question and they'll give an example about their own personal condition or their own personal situation within the life of their local church. So I want to address that question today. Should I stay or should I go? But also I want to talk about not only the local church, but I want to talk about your denomination. I want to talk specifically about the Southern Baptist Convention as well. Now, if you're not a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're a part of another denomination, then perhaps you can uh, make application to that very question and how we approach that question related to your own specific circle of connection or affiliation denominationally. I was recently at a, a conference speaking in North Carolina, and a family came up to me after I spoke and addressed the need to be committed to a local church. And they told me this, this heartbreaking story about you know being a part of this church uh, for many years and, uh, of course, uh, serving in some sort of leadership positions within the church, not eldership, but this family, of course, leading small groups and having great uh, influence, you might say, within the life of their church. But yet as they continue to mature in the faith and as they continue to grow over time, they have looked back at their church only to see that as their doctrinal positions have changed, they now view their church as superficial, shallow, and really in many ways completely against the teachings of Scripture from a ministry philosophy and a worship philosophy perspective. And so they're asking me this question, should we stay? Or should we go? And sometimes, you know, a family outgrows a church doctrinally. Sometimes a family needs to leave a church based on different uh, issues, like, like, like deficient teachings or unbiblical uh, worship philosophies. And yes, as we might say, yeah, I think you should probably go, there's still a right way in which they should go, there's a proper way in which you should actually leave your church. But the question becomes, should we stay and just hold our nose, for instance? Should we just hold our our nose on the issues related to the way a church approaches the, the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God? Because now there, there, there are so many really good families, and we have so many great connections in this church. Should we just hold our nose uh, as it pertains to the issues of our our elders and our our pastors in the church and their positions on social justice. Uh, should we just give you know a free pass to the, the pragmatism that drives our church? And so these questions continuously come to us at G3 and forms of emails, and they come to me personally um, as I'm out and about and, and meeting different families. And so I want to talk through these issues because I think it's a it's a very important question. Because I am completely against the idea of church hopping and church skipping and church jumping and this idea of this consumerism that has, in many ways, just flooded the evangelical church today. So many people just bebop down the road to the next church because their children are connected to people at their local school or because they have this latest and greatest new ministry that they're unveiling down the road. And so they have a low view, such a low view of church membership that they're just willing to just sever ties in the life of their local church and go down the road a couple of miles to the church that has the flashing lights and seems to be connecting more with a younger demographic. So is that really a reason to leave your church? Well, obviously, that's, that's certainly not a proper view of church membership, and you should never leave your church just based on the issues of you know, some, some pragmatic cultural or consumerism sort of mentality. So we need to be very cautious in our move from one church to the next and then when we go to another town if we have a job transfer or if we must leave a church because of deficient teachings or whatever it might be then we still need to do so in a proper way like the the elders who have been overseeing your life and your family for all of these years they don't need to just notice that you're not there and you haven't been there for 4 weeks and then they come you know looking for you and then you explain to them that you've now uh, left the church and you're in the process of joining another one. That should not be the way you approach leaving a church if you must go. And so uh, again, this is this is a question that deserves our attention, and it's a question that we must take seriously. So back to the family at the conference that I preached at recently. I finished talking about the subject of the local church and why it is that we should be committed to the life of a local church and why it is that we should orient our lives around a local church and not the ball field or some other thing that we put emphasis on in our personal or family life. And so when they came to me, they told me the story about how they had uh, really grown up in the life of this church, and they had really appreciated this this church for so long. But now, with these very important doctrinal distinctives that they've now embraced— They look at their church and they see it as superficial in the way that the word of God is preached. And they see it as superficial in the way that they approach the worship of God uh, as far as the entire service is concerned. And so they're asking me this question, and it's really heartbreaking. I mean, with tears streaming down the face of this wife and mom and then her son standing there next to her and and he's wanting to go and they're trying to figure out should the family be split apart i mean he's 18 now should the family sever and you know worship in different locations or should they just all go and so as i'm working through these issues i'm trying to to give answers that would help them think biblically about this and and, and so the way that i approached the answer with this family was i said historically when we look at the definition of a church theologians and scholars and and uh, church historians have looked back at the church for you know years and they have they have said that traditionally speaking what would basically be be the building blocks of the definition of a local church would have been three or four things that we could then piece together and say this would be what allows us to actually refer to a gathering of people as a true church, biblically speaking. And The first would be, um, does your church have the right preaching of the Word of God? Now again, I think that that deserves explanation as well. The right preaching of the Word would have been rightly dividing the Word of truth, as we are biblically called to do. And what does that look like, you say? Well, again, I think that we have to go beyond just this idea of opening the Bible and preaching or quoting some things out of the Bible in a sermon. I think the right preaching of the Word of God historically has been this idea of a verse-by-verse or what we would call expository preaching of the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have a series of sermons on a specific topic, that could be helpful to the life of the church, whether it be from a doctrinal standpoint or a practical standpoint in the life of the church, built upon, obviously, the text of Scripture itself, but not necessarily uh, verse by verse through, um, whether it be a paragraph of of the Bible or even an entire book of the Bible. I think that there's room for that, but it should be minimized, and what should be elevated to the surface as the steady diet of the church should be that weekly gathering where the Word of God is opened, and in a verse-by-verse continuation through a book of the Bible, the Word of God is expounded properly. That is what we call the right preaching of the Word of God. Second of all, there should be the right administration of the ordinances. So you have baptism, which comes before the Lord's Supper, and it comes before the Lord's Supper uh, on purpose, uh, because we need to see a person identifying themselves with Jesus Christ as Lord through the, the process that we call baptism, which is this this public display of them being identified to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then saying that my old life is now dead and my new life is raised with Christ, and I seek to make that known publicly. And then what happens is they are received by the local church. They are given the right hand of fellowship, if you will. They're brought into the family of faith, and then They should be served the Lord's table, and then they can worship uh, rightly at the Lord's table by remembering the very body and remembering the blood of Jesus Christ that uh, that was offered up as a sacrifice that's a holy sacrifice and acceptable to God on their behalf. And so again, the right administration of the ordinances. How is baptism approached? So if you go into a local church and you're looking to, you know, and praying through the process of joining, if on that Lord's day, they give an announcement at the end of the service that, oh yeah, and by the way, uh, Pastor uh, Sam here just got back from the beach with, you know, 37 teenagers and and three of them profess faith in Christ. And now give your attention to the screens. We're going to see him baptize them in the ocean. Well, that should be that should be something that should cause you to, to have a red flag. Something's, something's off here. We need to have a right understanding of what baptism is and the context in which baptism should be performed. Baptism is not private. It's not something that should be done at 2 o'clock in the morning in the dark of night with no one present. That's what a lot of you know, quote-unquote churches do that are uh, teaching baptismal regeneration. Baptism is not the point in which you receive the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not something that should be uh, engaged in privately, and baptism should not just be something that we engage in uh, just flippantly, like with a group of college students at the local pool on campus, because after all, uh, you know Steve received Christ in a college Bible studies. So a group of us got together, and since I led them to Jesus, I was the one that actually dunked them under the water. That's That's not biblical baptism. So we need to make sure that we are approaching a church that actually takes it seriously. And then again, the Lord's table. So is there a serious approach, this solemn approach to the Lord's table, or is it flippant? like the church down the road, the Southern Baptist Church down the road, that the pastor handed out or had deacons standing at the back door with little baggies with the elements of the Lord's Supper and said to the church, go home and do this in your living room because it's such a wonderful, intimate way of worshiping God. Again, that's, that is not a right way to approach the Lord's table. And so, does this church have the right preaching of the Word? Does this church have the right administration of the ordinances? And then another question would be asked, does this church have the right practice of biblical church discipline? Because if the church is not practicing and engaging in church discipline on a regular basis, and and by that, I'm not just referring to the idea of a church... You know, excommunicating someone from the fellowship. That would be the last step, the final stage of discipline uh, in the life of the church for an unrepentant sinner. But the idea would be this ongoing community of faith whereby we take the Christian life seriously and we're willing to confront sin in one another's lives to the point of leading to us confessing sin to one another and seeking repentance. That is that is to God first, and then also that brings about unity within the life of that church, and then if necessary, if someone is unwilling to repent, then they would eventually be excommunicated. So is the church taking the steps necessary for the purity of God's uh, church and that's and, and, and really put on display for the watching world in the, in the life of that community? Is that something that the church takes seriously and practices? And if not then you should not join that church. You would not want to take your family, nor would you want to trust your own flesh in such a way that you would immerse yourself into a context of a group of people where you're not going to have anyone that's going to take the role of of really addressing you or confronting you when you're living in sin. You want faithful pastors that would do that. You want faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in the life of the church that would do that. So if those things are not present, then you should not join that church. And if you're a part of a church, and you've met, perhaps you were led to Christ, and you joined this church, and you were a spiritual babe, and as you've been growing, now you're starting to notice that you're not really singing the songs that you should be singing. And you're noticing that it's more of a of an entertainment stage than it is a, a gathering of the people for for the worship of God. And then you look at the the way that your church approaches worship and you're noticing the the order of worship is not gospel-centered at all. It's really more man-centered, if anything. And then you're watching and listening to how the word is preached, and you're you're noticing that it's shallow and very pragmatic instead of doctrinally sound and then of course you're you're looking at the life of the church and you're considering the sin that's just allowed to be present in the lives of the believers in that church and yet there's no approach to accountability and and there's no approach to this idea of 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 confrontation of sin and church discipline and so on and so forth and you start looking at the baptism and how it's approached and you start looking at the lord's table and how it's approached. And then before long, you're you're seeing that you're really in a church that historically would not have been defined as a church by scholars and theologians and pastors of years gone by. And so now you're wrestling through and you're asking yourself, should I stay or should I go? Now, again, um, back a few years back, in fact, in December of 2016, I penned an article titled, When Should I Leave My Church? And you can go to the g3min.org website, and you can search for that article by just uh, entering into the search bar there, When Should I Leave My Church? And you'll find that article. And it's in that article that I sort of ask some of these questions to help us think through, should we leave? Are we leaving for reasons that we should not? Or are we really... Convicted by certain things that should cause us to maybe think about severing ties here. In other words, are your pastors heretics? Are they teaching something that is against the gospel of Jesus Christ? These are questions that we need to ask ourselves as you're thinking about should you stay or should you go? Has your church embraced a false gospel? Again, if if your if your church quote unquote church has rejected key component parts of the gospel of Jesus Christ for instance if 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 this group of people has rejected the trinity or the deity of Christ or even embraced this false gospel that we know as the health wealth and prosperity gospel then it's not a church and so you don't even have to pray about whether you should leave that type of setting for instance suppose that you were saved and genuinely you, you have been converted And you're in the life of this church, and and they've ordained a woman to be a pastor. Do you have to even pray about leaving that church? And I would would urge you not to. You don't have to pray about leaving a group of people that are living in direct opposition to the Word of God. But now you just have to start wrestling through other issues. Like, um, is your church living in carnal, sinful patterns without discipline? you know is that something that's just allowed to fester in the life of the church or um do your pastors have a low view of scripture and maybe a low view of the the sufficiency of the word of god and they're more inclined to orient the ministries and focus their ministries on a pragmatic model rather than a a doctrinal model of of the way that the the life of the church should function and so these are questions that you need to be wrestling through and thinking about um does your church teach or embrace a theological position that violates what you believe to be the clear teaching of Scripture that would go beyond a tertiary issue and would necessitate you actually thinking about looking for another church? And and, and something that could fall into that category might be something like the the present controversy that we're facing today related to social justice. In other words, as you look back at the Black Lives Matter movement, as you look back at the cultural controversies of social justice, as you think about the egalitarian push within evangelicalism today, have your pastors remained silent? Or have they taken it seriously to the point of educating the flock about the dangers of these very ideologies? Are they allowing the winds of culture and the, the various winds of doctrine that violate Scripture to just blow right through the church? Or are they taking it seriously and, and really seeking to demonstrate a right approach to protecting the flock from such worldly ideologies? So again, um, should I stay or should I go? So not all churches are on the same level of health. And again, trying to search out a perfect church this side of heaven is going to leave you frustrated, to say the least. And so every single person, including you and including me, including the, the pastors, the elders of a church, we all bring sinful hearts to the to the gathering of that church. And so there's always going to be a need for increased sanctification, growth, and maturity on on the parts of everyone involved, including the the pastors. I can remember someone that was considering leaving our church some time back and they met with me and they they said, it just seems like you're changing. It just seems like some of your positions are changing. You're leading the church to change in specific issues related to how we worship God. And my response was, you're exactly right. Because you see, here's the reality. When I was called to pastor this church, I was called at at 33 years of age, and 11 years later, guess what? I'm going to have grown in my knowledge of God and in my theological convictions and ministry philosophy convictions over these 11 years, so that I would look back and I would say, yes, there have been adjustments, and yes, weekly we come to the the reality that we need to be consistently reforming because the culture is deforming us, and our worship is perverted because of the deformation of sin and fleshly motives and cultural change and and winds of influence that are consistently trying to pull us in the direction of the world. So obviously, we're going to be changing. We're going to be uh, consistently sanctified and coming into a greater knowledge of what the Word of God actually teaches. So, again, we need to understand that no church is perfect. But just because the church down the road has, uh, quote-unquote, more exciting music, or they have uh, a, a new children's building that they've just unveiled, and it has the latest and greatest offerings for children's ministries, or so on and so forth, that's no reason to leave your church. You should never consider leaving a church because of something that's offered at another church. Uh, Again, that's the very definition of what we call church consumerism. It's a cancer that's eating away at many churches today. And so we need to be very cautious there, very, very slow to move from one church to the next. But there are times when you actually do need to leave. You do need to leave. And sometimes you have biblical reasons doctrinal reasons that necessitate you to leave. And again, I think that the way to do it would be to sit down with your pastors, to be very honest, and yet use the Bible. Don't say, well, I just think, or I just feel, because if you're coming to the table to talk to your pastors about leaving a church, and you don't have an ability to put your finger on a page of Scripture, but you're just saying, I just think, and I just feel, and it's just my opinion that, and just fill in the blank that's not a good reason to be leaving a church but if you're able to put your finger on the pages of Holy Scripture and say based upon the Word of God, I think that our worship I think that our teaching, I think that the way that we approach missions, I think that you know so on and so forth if, if the way that we approach um, the, the, the ordinances the way that we don't support or practice biblical church discipline, all these matters uh, have caused me to rethink my affiliation and my church membership here to the point that I'm going to ask you brothers, you men that have been given charge over my soul, to tell me whether or not I'm right or wrong here based on the Word of God, and then we're going to ask if you would prayerfully help us and support us as we leave. That's the way that you should approach it. But you should not just disappear, and you certainly should not call a meeting with your pastors when you don't have any biblical rationale for leaving a church in the first place. So, should I leave or should I go? These, th- this is a question that's so popular, and yet it is, it's, it's such a relevant question that deserves attention, but how we approach it matters. So we must be very cautious in how we approach that. And how we seek to uh, leave a church, if indeed we we have biblical rationale and and basis for leaving a church now, another question that's being asked of us consistently is this idea: Should I leave or should I stay within the Southern Baptist Convention? Should I stay or should I go as it pertains to the SBC Now, I am a lifelong Southern Baptist member personally, I have been a member of three churches and I've pastored all three of them. That's a conversation for a different day, obviously if you just think about that, I have been a member of three churches and I've pastored all three of them. Um, but needless to say, all three of these churches have been Southern Baptist churches and so the the current church where I serve as pastor, I've been here eleven years. I grew up here as a boy. And in God's providence, as I look back at the history of this church, I can see where we have been very much a part of the SBC for years. Although we predate the Southern Baptist Convention, our church was actually constituted three years before the Southern Baptist Convention was founded. So I've been a member of three churches, all have been associated with the Southern Baptist Convention. I graduated from the flagship seminary of the Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. I earned my MDiv there. I earned my, my doctoral degree in expository preaching from Southern Seminary. I've attended the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention every year since I was called to pastor. I th- I thought that it was very much um, important if we're going to be affiliated with a convention to know why it is that they meet, how they meet, what do they accomplish when they meet and when they gather. And so I've found it beneficial through the years to engage at the annual meeting every June, the second week of June in another city across the nation and to assemble and to to see the business carried out and to hear the reports from the different uh, agencies or entities of the SBC. I have led our church uh, when I've served in these these three different churches, I have led all three of these churches to give to Southern Baptist Convention missionary offerings and to support convention causes. However, in recent years, I have lost a great deal of respect for leaders within the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm just being honest and transparent here. And the the way in which we approach the the giving of our time and energy and Resources from a local church into a pool of churches that we call a convention of churches has caused us to really rethink some things, and because of that, we have we have uh, reduced our giving drastically to the SBC causes to a, a bare minimum in in recent years. And so, it's not just me, uh, but all of our elders are reconsidering our local church's affiliation with the SBC. Why do you say? Well because of very big issues as it pertains to social justice and egalitarian uh, influences within the convention. And as we think about it, the question is is certainly a question that we need to consider, especially at this very juncture right now as we're preparing uh, here in just a couple of weeks to arrive in Nashville for the 2021 annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention when we have messengers coming from around the the world to assemble for the business to carry out and to vote on behalf of the 42,000 plus churches that make up the Southern Baptist Convention, whatever that number is, I think it's over 40,000. And so we will have approximately, I, I would estimate, we'll have less than 15,000 that actually arrive there. Um, in Nashville to carry out the convention causes and to do the business uh, on behalf of the SBC churches. But as we think about this question, should I stay or should I go as it pertains to the SBC, we need to be asking, you know, again, we have some very important decisions that have to be made this year. We're going to vote on a president and there are, you know, several men who are actually running for this very position who are uh, going to be nominated uh, from the floor, and that are going to be voted on by the messengers, um, should we or should we not remain affiliated with the southern baptist convention and and that 's a question that many pastors are asking us, and so uh, just let me sort of break down the way that the convention works, and we need to think about this question from a doctrinal lens, so when it comes to the s b c it has no top down power structure that Uh, imposes decisions upon local churches. The convention, the SBC, is a collection of churches that cooperate together for missions and for theological education and for church planting and so on and so forth. But it really boils down to this. It's a a pay-to-play system, not really truly confessional. And what I mean by that is although the SBC has a "Quote unquote confession, a statement of beliefs, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It's not truly confessional, uh, and, and that's not truly binding upon the convention. And what I mean by that is that when you have churches that are ordaining women to serve as pastors, and when you have certain uh, uh, churches that are really out of step with the actual Baptist Faith and Message, they're not. They're not." Uh, immediately pressed and pushed out of the, the convention at the annual meeting. So the the reality is, is if you continue to pay, then you can continue to play within the system that we call the Southern Baptist Convention. If you're giving the offerings and if you're giving money to the cooperative program, then you can still be a church associated with the SBC, and you can still send messengers to to vote, and you can still be a part of this group that we call the SBC. So the question would become this, if you are a pastor that's really rethinking your affiliation within the SBC, then you need to ask yourself a series of questions. And and one would be this, would you actually become a member of the vast majority of the Southern Baptist Convention churches that are being planted from the SBC network that we call the North American Mission Board or even the, the IMB, the International Mission Board of the SBC? in other nations, if you were looking for a new church in a new community, in a new state, if you had to move across the country for a job transfer, would you immediately be looking for the SBC churches in that area, and would you be willing to join the majority of those churches? Okay, now That's a valid question that you need to ask yourself. Another question would be this. Out of all of the Southern Baptist Convention churches that are being planted on a yearly basis, and, and and then other SBC churches around the nation that have been a member of the SBC for 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 a long time, would you have the elders or the pastors of those churches or the church plants that are being planted as elders in your local church? Now, now that's a question that should be asked, and you should really think what, about what that means. Now, another question would be this. Do you trust the Southern Baptist Convention seminaries with your students? If you have a young man or a young woman that's looking to be educated from a biblical uh, worldview, uh, do you trust the Bible colleges that are associated with the SBC, or do you trust the seminaries to train your young men for pastoral ministry, or do you not? Do you have serious questions about the professors and the motives and what they're teaching in the life of those specific institutions. So then when you ask yourself these questions, you have to just come down to this to, to this reality. If you would not be a member of SBC church plants if you were to be uprooted and have to move across the country, if you would not have the elders of these new Southern Baptist church plants across the country as elders in your church, If you do not support and have trust in the seminaries and Bible colleges of this convention that we call the Southern Baptist Convention, then then what's the point? What's the point? Why stay a part of a convention and give money to a convention to plant churches that you would not join and to have leaders that you would not have leading in your church? So what's causing the unrest? Why are so many pastors... Asking this question, should I stay or should I go when it when it comes to the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, it really boils down to a lot of the the problems that we've seen in recent years the goofy pragmatism and the unbiblical ministry models and remember just just last year the the actual pastor's conference of the SBC that is the day before the actual annual meeting of the convention was. Was cancelled, but do you remember the the goofy pragmatism and unbiblical ministry models and the people that they were going to be platforming in that very conference and There was a massive controversy about whether it should be defunded and so we had all of the all of this controversy that was blowing around it was it was a true embarrassment for the southern Baptist convention but then before that, back in twenty nineteen we had the adoption of Resolution 9, which taught that we should actually embrace critical race theory and intersectionality as analytical tools for gospel ministry. And here now we have these egalitarian positions that are being pressed within the life of this convention. Churches that have received funds from the North American Mission Board are actually ordaining women to serve as pastor. And then you have the issue of ethnic prejudice, racism, holding conferences in the name of diversity and writing books and Bible studies in the name of diversity, which in all reality is a means of dividing and continuing to encourage racist motives and racist ideas in the hearts of people within the Southern Baptist Convention. And so at some point, each local church and the pastors of those specific local churches are going to have to just... to discern whether or not they should stay or whether they should go and such an evaluation needs to be more than just a pragmatic or quote unquote traditional decision it needs to be a doctrinal decision so again a good a good parting question would be this will you and your local church be able to fulfill your calling of the great commission mandate and use educational outlets outside of your local church for the purpose of training ministers and missionaries for the work of ministry apart from the Southern Baptist Convention? In other words, if you do go, if you do sever ties with the SBC, will you still be able to fulfill the very calling that God has placed upon you and your local church for the glory of God? And so these are questions that are consistently being asked. And so for that reason, we're going to be unveiling some some really helpful uh, opportunities for pastors and a pastor's network and a church network within G3 Ministries in the days to come. And we also have relationships with trustworthy institutions like the Master's Seminary and the Master's University. So needless to say, as men, as pastors and elders in local churches are reconsidering their affiliation, not only with the SBC, by the way, but with with other denominations as well. Then we are going to provide opportunities for churches to engage, to be encouraged, and to work together collectively—not in an official denominational sense, but with a you know a network of of churches and pastors coming together for the purpose of engaging in missions and education for the glory of God. So we need to we need to think critically about what this means now through the years i have had people tell me you know i think that you know if you're going to be a part of a denomination then you should be tithing to that denomination and so they approach this idea of giving of funds from the life of a local church to a denomination as a tithe from that local church to a denomination and i again i i want to I want to urge us to to think critically about the text of Scripture and to not be bound by such ideas. We have no calling to tithe to a denomination from a local church's budget. Any decision to give to a convention of churches or to a church fellowship or to a network is purely voluntary. It is not mandated biblically. So we need to pray and to examine motives and commitments and any affiliation within any denomination to ask ourselves this question, is it good, or is it a waste of time? Is it a waste of energy? Is it a waste of resources? And then we need to get down to the brass tacks of the question, should we stay or should we go? Ask yourself that question, whether you're a family thinking about your local church, whether you're a local church thinking about your denomination, should you stay or should you go? and use your time that God has given you, the days under the sun, and your energy, and your resources for the glory of King Jesus. And as we make these decisions, let's do so. Let's do so with a biblical mindset, and do so with a desire to honor Christ in how we, how we approach these decisions. And then, of course, we have people that ask the question often, well, what if I can't find a church within my local community, uh, you know, what if the church is, say, an hour or an hour and a half away? Then, then what should I do then? Well, I just want to urge you to, to be cautious. Always be cautious and careful in how you leave a church. But if your church, if you can't find a biblical church that's you know within an hour's drive of your home, then you need to think about maybe relocating maybe moving addresses so that you can orient your life and your family within the context of a local church for the glory of God. So May God bless you, and I hope that, again, this is a helpful way of addressing the question, should I stay or should I go? And I hope this has been an encouragement to you as you think about this very important question, both from a local church perspective and the perspective of your denomination. Until next time, we'll see you next week on the G3 Podcast. May God bless you. So, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the G3 podcast. I want to point you to our website, g3men.org, where you can find resources and articles on various subjects, as well as the archives of this very podcast. I would also point you to the information related to the upcoming conference. It is our G3 national conference this fall. You can find out information on our website. We also have just recently released our pre-conference on the subject of pastoral ministry, and we have one for both English and Spanish. You can find all of that information at our website. And of course, we look forward to seeing you next week on the G3 podcast and hopefully in person at the G3 national conference this fall. May God bless you. We'll see you next week on the G3 podcast.